Florida Matters is supported by WUSF members just like you. Your donation of $5 or $25 will help ensure public radio thrives. And thanks to Candy Olson, an additional $50 will be added to your donation. Visit WUSF.org match to maximize your gift today. This is Florida Matters. I'm Matthew Petty. Florida's 2024 legislative session is underway. Governor Ron DeSantis launched the 60-day session with a state-of-the-state address that touched on issues like immigration, education and law enforcement and appeared pitched to primary state voters as much as Floridians as he continues to campaign to be the Republican nominee to take on President Biden in November. In this episode, we're talking about how this state-of-the-state speech set the stage for a legislative session where lawmakers will tackle issues like health care, the environment, and education, even as DeSantis continues that presidential campaign. Well, joining me is political analyst and retired University of South Florida political science professor Susan McManus. Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you. And WSF politics and environment reporter Steve Newborn. Steve, thank you. Glad to be here, Matthew. I want to start by listening back to the way Governor DeSantis began his address. Let's take a listen. Cities throughout the land have decayed. Washington, D.C. has experienced its deadliest year in more than two decades, and San Francisco has fallen into a doom loop whereby crime, homelessness, and drug abuse have eviscerated the quality of life in the city. Other states have enacted policies that have sparked an exodus of their residents out of their states. So it's not surprising given this that we've witnessed and continue to witness a great migration of Americans away from cities and states pursuing these failed policies with Florida serving as a refuge of freedom and sanity. These failures are not the result of chance. They are the result of choices made by elected officials to put ideology over sound policy. In this time for choosing, the state of Florida has chosen well. We have chosen facts over fear. We have chosen education over indoctrination. We have chosen law and order over rioting and disorder. We have chosen fiscal responsibility over debt and profligacy. So that's Governor Ron DeSantis at the start of his State of the State address. Susan, I want to ask you, I mean, how was this speech different from what you've heard in previous years? And how did DeSantis tread that line between talking to Floridians and his allies in the Florida legislature and primary voters in other states? Well, one of the advantages you have as a governor is being able to focus on these speeches on your achievements and accomplishments, which is exactly what Governor DeSantis did is to run through a laundry list of all the things that had happened during the last year and contrast your own state with other states, which he repeatedly did in pointing out that Florida was well ahead of everyone else. And obviously a in-migration magnet state, people moving here, businesses moving here, and so forth. There was a lot less on wokeness type of things. Yes, there was some of that, but it had a strong fiscal responsibility, a financial economic thread that ran through the whole speech, which is not surprising in light of where our country is on that matter. Mm -hmm. A lot of talk about immigration too, right? He really talked a lot about the southern border, the porousness of that border, problems arising from that, and talked about what he as governor has done to try and address some of that. 
Right. And, of course, a lot of people are very familiar with that. You know, mainstream media now has been focusing on the record number of illegals crossing the southern border, now even focusing a little bit on the northern border. And obviously that catches the attention of not just Floridians because we just had some arrive in Key West of late, but in the other states, particularly the border states, many of which have a pretty sizable number of electoral college votes when all is said and done. One big issue that has loomed large in recent years is homeowners insurance. Now, the legislature has made several attempts to stabilize the creating homeowners insurance marketplace by reforming things like assignments of benefits and, and litigation. But insurance premiums do keep going up. Let's just take a listen to some of what DeSantis had to say about insurance. In the governor's budget recommendations, I'm proposing that we return another $1.1 billion to the people through additional tax cuts that will provide even more relief to families, individuals, and retirees that are just trying to get by during these uncertain times. Let's reduce the cost of homeowners insurance through tax relief. Let's continue our record-setting sales tax holidays, and let's provide permanent tax relief for Florida small business. In D.C., they're failing to get inflation under control. While we cannot control federal monetary or fiscal policy here in the state of Florida, we can take what is already one of the lowest per capita tax burdens in the entire country and make taxes even lower. Right, Steve. So we didn't actually hear a whole lot from DeSantis on homeowners insurance. I think there might have been one other reference to that in his speech, but he kind of buried that in the midst of a a sandwich about taxes and tax cuts, which is something pretty common refrain you'll hear from a lot of lawmakers in Florida, including uh, Governor DeSantis. So what did you hear in that speech about insurance and what does it mean for the next 60 days, how Floridians might be impacted as they look at those rising insurance costs? Well, you're right. He didn't really mention insurance rates very much at all. I, I believe his first reference came about a half hour into his speech, which was kind of surprising because homeowners insurance and rising auto rates especially are one of the biggest issues that we hear about out there. I mean, just personally, my rates went up 50 percent, 50 percent in one year. And some people I know, their rates doubled, which is unsustainable. Some people are doing without insurance, which, mm-hmm. you know, if you consider the next hurricane that comes through, is maybe it's not the smartest thing. But it's debatable how much tax cuts will reduce rates for, for homeowners here. Probably the most interesting bill that we have found so far is one from Representative Spencer Roach. He's a Republican from North Fort Myers. That's one of the areas that got hit really hard by Hurricane Ian about a year ago. And it killed over 150 people and caused more than $100 billion in damage. So what he's looking at is taking citizens insurance, which is the state-run insurer of last resort, and making that the tell-all, be-all for windstorm coverage. Mm -hmm. This would relieve private insurers of the need to cover that. They can cover fire damage, water damage, that sort of thing. And this is looking at a way to keep the number of private insurers in the state and not fleeing the next time a hurricane comes through. So that, that is a real interesting bill that we're going to hear about this year. Mm-hmm. Now, it has been a Republican supermajority since last year, and that gives the governor a lot of power as he sets the agenda for the session. On the flip side, there isn't a whole lot that Democrats can do about legislation they don't like. Let's take a little listen to House Minority Leader Fentress Driscoll giving part of the Democratic response to the state of the state. We aren't wasting time interfering with how parents raise their kids or limiting the books they can read. 
These are actual policies that Republicans are focused on this year. By contrast, Florida House Democrats want to do serious things to solve real problems facing Florida families. We don't want the culture war fights. I mean, they don't improve our economy or help anyone's life. Let's leave kids, library books, and woke boogeymen alone this year. We've spent two years being governed by what DeSantis thinks would be most attractive to Iowa and New Hampshire primary voters. And that hasn't made life better for Florida's families. But together, together, we can make it easier for a Florida family to thrive, not just survive. Let's fix the roads and classrooms, clean the water and strengthen our economy from the bottom up. Let's use this chance to build something instead of tearing others down. So that's Ventress Driscoll there. Susan McManus, what did you hear in that speech? And and also from Lauren Book, the Senate minority leader there as well. The main theme was to make Florida more livable and particularly more affordable with a focus on working class people in our state and people with kids and the seniors. A key part of that, of course, is building up their base ahead of the elections coming up. But the affordable Florida and obviously uh, real concerns of affordability, meaning housing, health care, weave into that abortion issue, and some of the other things that they also stressed was the fact that for everyday people, voting rights is going to be an important issue that wasn't addressed Mm -hmm. by the Republicans, as well as gun policies. All of that adding up to an affordable and a free Florida, the same way that DeSantis, the governor, stressed a free Florida. And we see this working out nationally. Each party is claiming the other is a threat to democracy. So you could see the overlay of national politics in the presentations of both the Florida Democrats and the Florida governor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lauren Book talked about abortion rights a lot in her response. We heard maybe one mention of that in DeSantis' speech, so some contrast there too. Yes, and this is the advantage to having a chance to give a rebuttal, is you really do want to contrast your position, your policies, your approach to governance And, of course, each of them also stressed the need for the legislature to play the major role in policymaking. Governors can only introduce budgets and whatever, but policies, the budget and whatever, are the responsibility of the legislature. Mm -hmm. Steve. Well, I'd like to kind of riff on what Susan was just saying. Uh, Abortion was mentioned very little in the governor's speech at all. He kind of just touched on it. And it's going to be a huge issue this year. Just yesterday, Uh, Representative David Barrero of Sweetwater down in South Florida filed a bill that would basically be a total abortion ban. There would be no trimester limits for the restrictions, and it would enact third-degree felony penalties for violators, not going after the mother, according to this bill, but it would go after physicians, doctors, anybody prescribing an abortion pill, that sort of thing. And we still have a lot of abortion legislation in play. Last year, the legislature on the first day of the legislature last year, uh, enacted a six-week ban on abortions. This is on top of a 15-week ban that was already in place. This is all still before the state Supreme Court to see if it violates the privacy clause of the Constitution. And of course, we also have a possible 
constitutional amendment that will be in the ballot. There are at least 900,000 signatures on a petition that would remove any kind of abortion restrictions at all. Mm. That's also up before the state Supreme Court to see if it sticks to one topic. That's something we heard very little about today, but it's going to be a big topic. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to education, there are some things that Democrats and Republicans appear to agree on. Public school teachers should get paid more, for example. But on other issues, they are poles apart, particularly when it comes to how education funding is distributed. And on other issues that have grabbed headlines in the last couple of years, and Fentress Driscoll mentioned a couple of these, like diversity, equity, and inclusion in schools, what books should be allowed on school bookshelves. Uh, let's take a listen to DeSantis on education. We were one of the first states in the country to enact a parent's bill of rights and to enact curriculum transparency. We protected women's sports. As the father of two daughters, I think it's important that our girls and women athletes have the opportunity to compete with fairness and with integrity. Thanks to the legislature, we have protected our children from indoctrination and sexualization of the curriculum. And we stood up for parents against the woke mob. I want to ask you about that, Susan. I mean, what does this kind of tell you about the governor's educational priorities in 2024? Have they changed much since last year? No, they have not. In fact, uh, there's one that was mentioned also, vouchers and the expansion of voucher program and Florida sort of being innovative in that area. And there's also, again, provision this time out for expanding vouchers. On the other hand, you have some Democratic bills that are challenging that as uh, unfair and not well-designed and so forth. But vouchers and education and the curriculum and transparency and all those, there's really nothing new in this year's proposal by the governor. I wanted to come back to that point about the different conceptions of freedom, too, because the governor talked about parental freedom there. I think we heard in some of the Democratic response these different notions of freedom, two very different framings of that word and how it applies to education in Florida, right? Right. And so for some, they feel like freedom is bolstering their right, meaning parental rights, to choose if they want to read a book and not have it on a ban list to reduce the funding and availability for vouchers. And so the Democrats are arguing that freedom for the parents to choose their own child's curriculum, the funding and so forth to be more equally spread around to people who choose the public school option and so forth. You're listening to Florida Matters. We're discussing Governor Ron DeSantis' State of the State Address and the start of the 60-day 2024 legislative session. We're speaking with political analyst Susan McManus and WSF Politics and Environment reporter Steve Newborn. We'll talk more about the environment, health care and other issues when we return. Welcome back to Florida Matters. I'm Matthew Petty. We're talking about Governor Ron DeSantis' annual State of the State Address, which signaled the start of Florida's 60-day legislative session. With me in the studio are political analyst and retired USF political science professor Susan McManus and WSF politics and environment reporter Steve Newborn. Let's get back to the conversation about how DeSantis' speech sets the stage for the next 60 days. Well, environmental protection and water issues have been central to how DeSantis governs ever since he launched his first gubernatorial campaign in 2018. Let's take a listen to what DeSantis had to say about environmental issues this time. 
With your support, we have made good on our promise to leave Florida to God better than we found it. As the fishing capital of the world and home to more than 1,300 miles of world-renowned coastline, Florida's economic success is tied to a healthy environment. Since 2019, we've invested $5 billion to support Everglades restoration and water quality efforts, and I'm calling for another $1.1 billion to continue these great efforts. In much of our state, the great outdoors is a way of life, and we must preserve that way of life for generations to come, which is why I'm calling for $125 million to protect Florida's conservation lands and waterways. While across the nation, activists have attempted to take away our God-given rights to hunt, fish, and enjoy our great outdoors, in Florida, we will continue to honor and protect those important traditions. DeSantis kind of framing it up this interesting way in terms of the kind of threats to the environment. But uh, Steve, what did you hear in the speech and, and how does it fit in with the environmental legislation we're likely to see out of Tallahassee this year? Well, it's interesting the way he tied it to economic issues, right? Mm-hmm. Florida's environment and its nature are a huge draw for tourism, right? And in the last couple of years, we've had some major black eyes in that image with red tide off the beaches dead fish in Tampa Bay. We recently had the the worst fish kill ever in Tampa Bay a couple of years ago. And that's tied to red tide. It's tied to red tide, yeah. And and we have this blue-green algae outbreak that originates in Lake Okeechobee and goes both to the Atlantic and Gulf Coast through the two rivers, the Caloosahatchee and the St. Lucie Rivers. And this really gave a black eye to Florida's international and national image when this happens, when we have beaches closed, no fishing, seafood restaurants closed. That's why he's including a billion dollars for Everglades restoration to look at that. Mm -hmm. And there's also about $330 million for other water quality improvements the governor is recommending. This is mostly tackling the problem at the source, looking at expanding wastewater facilities, septic tank to sewer conversions, A lot of Florida springs are turning green because of septic tanks leaching into the underground aquifer around the springs. Just thinking about the way he framed up these environmental issues in this speech in the state of the state, too. I mean, I wonder, Steve, because you're focused on reporting on Florida's environment for our listeners here in the Tampa Bay region, but, you know, there's a national audience for this speech, too. So does it seem like these themes kind of would resonate on that level as well? You know, what happens in Florida is going to happen in the rest of the country eventually, too. We used to say that about California, right? Now, we're the boogeyman in that particular cliche. So we have been seeing water quality issues nationwide. Uh, Mm -hmm. Red tide is not just a Florida issue. I think he's looking at bolstering his green, quote unquote, credentials nationwide here with some of these proposals. And it really has bipartisan backing. It's not a Republican or Democratic thing. I think this is something that reaches across the aisle to most voters. Everybody can get behind having cleaner drinking water, cleaner beaches, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I think it does resonate for a much wider audience than just here. There are some threats too. I mean, you mentioned the red tide, the green algae, the water issues in our aquifers and streams, but coral too. I mean, a lot of the headlines last year were catastrophic and devastating when it came to the coral reefs and emergency measures were being taken. Didn't hear a lot of that in the speech, but there's some legislation afoot to try and sort of shore up those coral reefs a bit as much as possible. I don't remember saying anything about this in the speech, but this is another black eye for Florida internationally. Florida has the third largest coral reef in the entire world. And what we saw last year were 
deadly temperatures, went up to 101 degrees, like a hot tub hmm. in the Florida Keys, record levels because of rising temperatures in the, in the oceans. So the governor has proposed $22 million for coral reef protection and restoration. And this includes $11 million to continue what's called Florida's Coral Reef Restoration and Recovery Initiative. They have quite a lofty goal of restoring 25% of the state's coral reef by 2050. That's a tough lift Mm -hmm. because of continuing rising ocean temperatures. It got so bad that last year we had researchers from Moat Marine Laboratory in Sarasota and the Florida Aquarium in Tampa go down to the Keys and actually picking off some of the more resilient corals, getting away from that heat and putting it on land in tanks Mm -hmm. that are much cooler. And they have been spending the last couple of months returning the ones that survived out there. I wanted to talk a little bit about law enforcement too, because this was a theme that came up quite a bit in the speech sort of tied to the southern border, as DeSantis remarked on. Uh, Let's just take a listen to his comments on law enforcement. Our policy is to support law enforcement personnel to combat riots, to keep criminals off the street, and to remove lawless prosecutors from office have kept Florida at a 50-year low in the crime rate and have brought new law enforcement recruits to Florida from all of the other 49 states. Law enforcement officers like Rachel Richardson, who is here with us today. Now, now Officer Richardson left her home and her job in Illinois to come to Florida for a new career with the Venice Police Department. She wanted to work for a state that valued the difficult work that police officers do every day to protect and serve Officer Richardson, we welcome you to the great state of Florida. Thank you for your service. And I haven't met any police officer that's regretted relocating to Florida yet, so we must be doing something right. This year's budget proposal includes an additional $20 million uh, to provide signing bonus so we can recruit even more officers to the Sunshine State. Some interesting kind of points to unpack there, Susan McManus, but I wanted to ask you, first of all, about what, what sort of stuck out for you generally about the speech and the themes of law enforcement and what DeSantis has done, his record there, and what he wants to do this year. Well, first, crime is still a big issue. When you look at these national surveys, and then even one in Florida, ask people what the biggest problems are facing the country or Florida, whatever. Crime is always one of the top five issues. But the bottom line is that everyone does know that it's getting more difficult to recruit and to keep police officers. Mm -hmm. That's just not in Florida. But here you have an older population, which is more vulnerable to crime. We know that and more attentive to it. But increasingly, you have crime issues that involve shootings at schools and so on and so forth. What was interesting while the governor talked about the Second Amendment being protected in Florida, which is true. This is one of the big areas that differentiates the Democratic response to the Republican response was on this area of guns. It's something else that kind of stuck out to me about that speech. It's sort of tied into other things that DeSantis was talking about throughout the state of the state, which is that he's really touting the fact that Florida is a magnet for folks from all across the country and and the world, in fact. That stuck out to me as a a thing that DeSantis is, it's something that he can kind of tout and say that this shows that Florida is doing something right. And it came across in that little excerpt about uh, law enforcement as well. That's true. And there's also another proposal that 
is part of the Live Local Act, I believe, that was passed last time. Is some funding that has to do with allowing money set aside for helping these new in-migrant law enforcement uh, buy homes. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it, it doesn't just stop at recruitment. It also includes retention. Mm-hmm. It's not enough just to get someone to come here, but it's to keep them. The same thing is increasingly true about teachers, by the way. Now, healthcare is a big deal for Floridians. I mean, a lot of these folks coming to Florida aren't all necessarily drawing down huge salaries and and uh, healthcare is expensive. There is some policy out there to increase the number of doctors and physicians and other healthcare providers in Florida, but I didn't hear a lot about healthcare in that state of the state speech. What does that tell you about where it kind of fits in DeSantis' list of priorities, uh, Susan? Well, it was included, but obviously it's not at the top of the list. Uh, again, a differential between the Democrats and the Republicans. Democrats are putting a lot more emphasis on health care. But on the other hand, the governor's budget does also include money for an expansion of kids' health care programs because obviously one of the criticisms in general about Florida and the legislature and the governor has been that they have not agreed to some of the Medicaid expansion programs, and Democrats are heavily in favor of it, but the governor counters with that, well, we're going to take care of kids because here's how much more we're going to spend on health care for children. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to give equal weight to every single issue that comes along, but we know for sure health care is going to be a big issue in the presidential campaign for both parties. Just to kind of wrap things up here, Susan, when you think back to this speech, what stood out for you as the some of the biggest differences in this year's state of the state compared to previous years? Far less discussion of wokeness or cultural issues and major proposals for legislation on the cultural side. We didn't hear much about that. We heard a lot more about the economics of the state and the future of the state in terms of economic viability and continuation of being an attractive place for both residents and businesses to relocate to. Steve, just in closing here, what are you going to be looking out for as the session unfolds? Well, as well as the environmental uh, proposals that we have just mentioned, uh, one thing I'm really looking out for is a couple of bills. Uh, one has been filed by State Senator Blaze Angolia of Hernando County that would impose term limits for county commissioners, mm-hmm. eight-year term limits. This is similar to what the legislature approved last year. Uh, imposing eight-year term limits on school board members. So it kind of evens out the the playing field for how long most of these public officials can serve. The other one is is kind of a more of a parochial issue to people here in Tampa Bay. It involves the expansion of the Brightline passenger rail service, the high-speed rail service that goes currently from South Florida, Miami to Orlando. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a bill filed by Representative Karen Gonzalez-Pittman, a Republican from Tampa, that would expand the service through the median of I-4 to Tampa. This is something that was funded by President Barack Obama more than a decade ago, and it was nixed by Governor Rick Scott at the time, who said it should be funded by private interests. Mm -hmm. This kind of goes back to that being funded by private interests here. But you have to realize that Tampa is still the largest metro area in the entire country without any kind of passenger rail service. And this would go a long way to rectifying that. 
We've been speaking with WSF Politics and Environment reporter Steve Newborn about Governor Ron DeSantis' State of the State Address launching the 60-day legislative session. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure, Matthew. Also joining us today, political analyst and retired University of South Florida political science professor Susan McManus. Dr. McManus, thank you. I love Florida politics, always will, and this is a great place to, to look at it and observe it. Well, that's our show for this week. Engineering support from Jackson Harp. Our producer is Steve Newborn. Production assistance for the show from Mary Shedden and Grayson Doctor. Find more reporting and analysis on our website, wusf.org, and subscribe to Florida Matters wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Matthew Petty. Thanks for listening.